From mismatched clothes and costumes to glasses, hats, and jewelry, kids wear the darndest things. Post a photo of your child wearing an outfit they've created. Paired with stylish glasses for your chance to win a $100 iMart Express gift card. Enter by posting your photos to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag ZoneDarndestThings. Time now to talk college football with Phil Steele. You read his magazine, you see him on social media. Now we got a few minutes with us with him as he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Phil, good morning. Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing well. We're counting it down to football, and we're obsessed with a few things. You're talking to two guys who lived in Southern California at different points in their lives and our careers. And we know what a beast USC can be. Utah wants to beat out USC and go back to the Pac-12 title game. BYU could certainly use a big win over USC at home in September. That would be glorious. When you talk to teams, you get into a lot of the talent, the depth. and But I'm wondering with SC, how much is this about talent? And how much is the success or failure this season about leadership, confidence, chemistry, the kind of intangibles? And what kind of a read do you have on that? Well, I think the bulk of it that it went into my USC forecast was the, the overall talent they're putting on the field because this is, uh, when you look at the what they have coming back this year and the, each position, they actually rank in my top units in all eight position categories. And I think Clay Helton is a, is a good coach. I think he's going to get much more out of this year's team than he did last year. We'll start with the quarterback. You know, you look at the JT Daniels thrown into the fire as a true freshman. In fact, he was playing at Stanford and at Texas in the second and third games. Finished there with just a 14-10 ratio. I think JT Daniels, when he comes out of college, will be one of the top QBs, and he's thrown to a tremendous set of receivers. A whole bunch of guys that could be first or second round draft picks in the NFL. They're in a new spread offense with uh, Graham Harrell calling it. So I, I look for their offense to be very potent this year. And defensively, they underachieved a little bit last year. And Clacy Pendergast has simplified the defense. Uh, when you look at the talent that they have at each position, they're very strong. Now, the schedule's not easy. They play the third toughest schedule in the country. So I don't know how big of an improvement there will be, but uh, i definitely put USC on my most approved list this year. So I believe you have Utah. You've had them forecast to win the conference, not just the division, but the conference, correct? That is correct. Okay, so then where do you see potential pitfalls along the way? Uh, for Utah this year, uh, I think that when you look at the schedule uh, in the in the conference, the two games that really stand out, the only two games that they have the potential to be an underdog in, I don't even know if they'll be an underdog in both, one will be USC on the road on a Friday, and as we've seen, uh, Utah has been able to handle, uh, was able to handle USC very easily last year, and now they get them on the road. And then the second one would be at Washington. Now Washington does have the advantage of being off a bye for that game. Utah comes into it with their fourth straight game that they're playing currently in Vegas right now. Washington is an eight-point favorite in that game, but this is a Washington team that only has two returning starters on defense, and I think Utah is a significant edge on the defensive side of the ball. I love the Utes defensive line, which I rate number one. So if I'm looking at concerns for Utah winning the Pac-12 this year, it would be at USC and at Washington. Is the Pac-12 going to get some early season credibility when Oregon plays Auburn? Who do you think wins that game? Uh, I rate the game a pure toss-up right now. I think both teams are extremely talented. Both are top 10 caliber squads. Uh, when you look at Oregon this year, they have my number one rated offensive line. 
They have Justin Herbert, at quarterback, who I feel could be the first quarterback taken in the draft next year. And they've got practically the entire defense back, plus they add in a player like Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, and so this is a, a very good Oregon team, but Auburn's strong as well. And now Auburn's biggest question mark comes at the quarterback position. It'll be the first start for a new quarterback for Auburn. So I think that edge goes to Oregon. The advantage to uh, Auburn is the fact that, uh, you know, the SEC has done pretty well in these matchups, and they are a complete team this year with the exception of quarterback. But I, I like Joey Gatewood. He's a guy that's uh, foot five, 237, and uh, he'll remind you a little bit of Cam Newton because he can run and pass. Also, when you look at Utah's schedule, I don't think anybody would argue as far as potential fitfalls being SC and Washington. You've already spoken to that. Both games are on the road. Uh, they got a couple of teams that they play at home that since they've been in the conference, they've struggled with a little bit, and that'd be Washington, Washington State and, and ASU. And I know certainly on paper it doesn't look like ASU would be a match, but we've said that a time or two before. Do you see any trouble there? Uh, in both games, I've got Utah uh, favored by about nine points. Uh, now, naturally, anything can happen. Hey, we saw last year. Clemson went was at home against Syracuse as about a four-touchdown favorite, and they needed a fourth-down conversion at the end of the game to pull out a win. So that's the beautiful thing about college football is anything can happen any week. But Washington State's replacing their quarterback. Remember Washington State's great record last year? Uh, I don't believe they played a team on the road that had a winning record, whereas this year they're playing uh, almost everybody on the road that had a winning record. So I think you're going to see a drop in the Washington State record this year, and it is a fairly early season trip for their new quarterback. And then with the Arizona State game, uh, as much as I like what Herm Edwards is doing there at Arizona State, I still think uh, Utah's a couple notches ahead of them. They get that game at home, and that's a big plus there. Phil Steele joining us. You read Phil Steele's college football preview. You see him on social media as well, talking about this upcoming season. Uh, We've seen college football coaches have mediocre year ones and enormous second seasons as they really get their program rolling. UCLA fans want that to be the case. Is it a longer rebuild than that, or are they going to take a big step forward this year? Uh, I think UCLA will make the step to get to bowl eligibility, but I don't know if they can do much more than that. Now, the advantage they have, and you touched on it, when a first-year head coach comes in, he has to learn the player's strengths and weaknesses. The players have to learn new schemes on both sides of the ball. Generally, there's a large learning curve. The second year, players are familiar with the systems. Coach knows the players. And he's got two years of recruiting classes brought in of his guys that fit the system and you usually see a big bump year two and the biggest bump in year three. And with UCLA, last year they only had 11 returning starters. This year they have 19 returning starters, and I think they're in pretty good shape at the quarterback spot. If you're looking at just teams that uh, should be much better than they were last year, UCLA fits that mold, but they do play a tough schedule. In fact, they're going to be an underdog at Cincinnati, home against Oklahoma, at Washington State, most likely at Arizona. They could be an underdog at Stanford, at Utah, at USC. So potentially coming into the season could be an underdog in as many as seven games. I think they steal at least one of those, take care of business in the games they're favored at, get to a bowl game, but I don't think we're going to see the huge improvement record that a lot of folks are thinking Chip Kelly will have. So a lot of that same philosophy with the first year and then the second year with the coach, you can apply that down in Tucson with Sumlin, obviously, and I think they disappointed last season relative to their expectations. Certainly some of the injuries that they had, particularly to Tate, is one of the factors, if not the leading factor. 
How much do you think they're going to be able to improve from year one and the year two under Sumlin? Yeah, and Arizona made my most improved list at number eight this year. And uh, there's a couple factors going in here. When Kevin Sumlin got hired last year, he was a very late hire. In fact, he wasn't even able to sign any recruits. The recruited classes were both basically signed. Uh, this year, he at least brings in his first recruiting class. But to me, the key factor with Arizona is Khalil Tate. Now, everybody thinks that with Khalil Tate last year was the change in offense, and that's the reason he wasn't running the ball. But in reality, he was banged up most of the year. And now Tate, when I talked to Coach Sumlin this year, he says Tate's healthy, and they will let him run the football. And that's going to be huge because they've got J.J. Taylor back, the diminutive running back that rushed for nearly 1,500 yards last year. They've got a veteran offensive line. The defense, led by Colin Schooler, is going to be much improved this year as well. And it is the second year for Coach Sumlin. And their schedule probably a little more palatable. They'll be an underdog at USC, at Stanford, at Oregon, home against Utah, and at Arizona State. But, you know, they they probably should have made a bowl game last year. If you're watching the Arizona State game, they're up by 19 points. I believe it was in the third quarter, ended up losing by one. They missed a field goal at the end of the game. Or they could have been in a bowl last year. I think they do get to a bowl and should be a vastly improved team, especially if Tate Looks like he did in the early part or in the middle part of 2017 rather than the Khalil Tate we saw last year. Phil, I'm, as an Arizona State alum, uh, and you know more than me, I just want to happily correct you. Say that 19-point lead was in the fourth quarter, too. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that. <laughs> Phil Steele, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So you've mentioned schedule uh, several times and you've been breaking these teams down. When you look at Pac-12 schedules, are they doing it right? Do Utah and Washington play tough enough schedules? And did USC, Stanford, and, and possibly UCLA, too, overschedule? You know, I, I would if I had a nine-team conference schedule like the Pac-12 does, I think I would schedule one tough game and a couple of easier games to get some wins because you're already basically playing one tough non-conference game that the other schools are not. Uh, when you play that extra conference game. Uh, so that's how I would schedule. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd schedule more like maybe the Oregon Ducks are. And I do think Utah, if they, let's say, they ran the table this year, even playing in the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 will gain some respect this season. Uh, you know, I've rated them the number five conference in, in the Power Five in the, each of the last two years. This year I rate them number three. Good depth throughout. You know, you look at the North. You got four really capable teams, and Cal's on the on the rise. And in the South, you've got five teams that are all capable of getting to a bowl game. So it's a very deep. It's a deeper conference. And I think if you see Utah run the table this year, their schedule's tough enough that they would uh, definitely be able to get in the mix. Well, certainly with BYU, the way they do things as an independent, they have to schedule tough in the first part of the season in September. And in recent years, they have, and I don't wow. think this year is any exception, uh, forecast as far as what they can do just in the first month. Yeah, only team in the country to play four Power 5 teams in the first four weeks of the season. Utah at Tennessee, home against USC, and home against Washington. And you know, they're, they're probably going to end up an underdog in all four of those games coming into them. But I, I like this BYU squad. They've got 17 returning starters coming back and really impressed with Zach Wilson, especially after the bowl game uh, and his perfection. I think if Zach Wilson can continue to keep that arrow pointed upward and improve, uh, they've got the potential here. Now, Sataki, I thought, did a great job last year getting them to 7-6. and six, And I think they could steal a game or two. Uh, so my official call on the opening 
four games is going to be either one or two wins, and that would probably be two involve two upsets. And then you look at the rest of the schedule. Schedule gets a lot more manageable down the stretch. They do have Boise State later in the season. Obviously, Utah State's in the same division, and they play uh, late in the year and, and could be a lot at stake there. The Broncos haven't been what they were a decade ago, but they've still had some pretty good teams. How good is this one? Do you have them favored to win the conference? Yeah, I do have them favored to win the conference, and I think the uh, the advantage they have, they get most of the tough games at home, but they've been really good on the road. If you follow them the last three years, they've been a 17-3 and team on the road, and that seems to be where they play maybe their best ball. And, uh, you know, the big question mark is at quarterback. They're replacing a guy like Brett Rippon. I've got a true freshman, Hank Bachmeyer, stepping into there to the, the starting quarterback spot. We'll see if he uh, gets that, but it was a, definitely an open competition. And, of course, the running back spot you wonder about as well. Alex Madison gone. His 1,400 yards from last year need to be replaced. But offensive line looks solid. The receiving core dangerous, and the defense is strong. Uh, I, I do list Boise as the favorite in the mountain. Forecast Urban Meyer returning. I know it's not necessarily your forte, but do you think he's done? I personally do. I, I don't think he can, uh, you know, you look at the, there's a fatigue factor, a health factor, a family factor, all those things. And uh, I personally think that, that he has stepped aside for good. You mentioned earlier that you thought the Pac-12 was the third best power league. How how do you rank the leagues? Uh, I rank, well, number one, I'm going way out on a limb here. How about the SEC? I thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going SEC one, Big Ten two. And when you look at the Big Ten, there's a lot of strength at the top, teams like Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, and then a whole bunch of potential contenders in the West. In fact, I think everybody's a contender in the West with the exception of Illinois. Uh, number four, I went with the ACC, and then number five, the Big 12. And with the Big 12 this year, you know, there's Oklahoma, but there are some question marks with Oklahoma, and there's really you can make question marks with almost any team at the top. So I actually have the Big 12 slipping a little bit to number five. With BYU, you know, they play only three teams basically annually so far, Utah, Utah State, and Boise. And when they play the Pac-12, well, we follow it, both of us uh, grew up in the area, so we know those schools. But, you know, we come in a little shy with our knowledge on some of these other teams that they use to fill out their schedules. And this year being potential trap games, and you would be able to answer this because this is your area and you know this stuff inside and out. So I wanted to ask you about Toledo and South Florida as far as what are your expectations for them to give us an idea when BYU plays those teams. Yeah, and I went through the entire season for BYU, and and there are a couple of toss-up games on my schedule, which include, by the way, the Washington game. I think BYU's in a good situation there, catching a young Washington team early in the season at home. Uh, But a couple other toss-up games are two you just touched on. Now with Toledo, I have them winning the uh, the big or the excuse me the MAC West this year. When you look at Toledo, Jason Candle had a, an off year last year, but this year they've got uh, Gudani back at QB. I think a lot went out the window when he got hurt last year. Brent Kobach and Shaquille Seymour, two running backs you got to keep your eyes on. And the receiving core, despite losing some big-time players, still looks solid. The offensive line, good, and overall the defense is strong. So this is uh, a Toledo team that I think wins the MAC West this year. They're very tough at home, 48-14 and 14 over the last uh, 10 years at home, so that's going to be a tough game for BYU. And with South Florida, 
they were probably the fakest team in all of football last year midseason. I think they opened up uh, seven and zero, and when they were seven and zero, you looked at their wins and they were playing weak teams and barely getting past them. Uh, in fact, lucky to get past a couple of them, and that's why in the second half of the season I was going against South Florida on a weekly basis, and they ended up losing their last six games. They took on six bowl teams, they lost them all. But this year's South Florida team is stronger. They're much more experienced. They got nine returning starters on offense. They've got a quarterback in Blake Barnett, who was my number three-rated quarterback coming out of high school, originally signed at Alabama. They've got a running back in Jordan Cronkite, who was my number 29-rated running back out of high school, originally signed at Florida. So there is good talent there. And I think this year's South Florida team probably a touchdown better. Plus, they've got an advantage in that particular game. In the fact, they've got the South Florida heat going for them at that time of year. And usually the Florida teams do well in October because the opposition not quite used to the the type of heat that they have there. The good thing news for BYU, BYU comes in off a bye, and I rate that one a toss-up. Uh, along the same lines, Tennessee coming off a 5-7 and seven year, 2-6, and six, last place in their division in the SEC. How tough will they be for BYU Week 2? What's Tennessee got? Uh, they are my number 7 most improved team in the country coming into the season. And talking to Coach Pruitt this spring, I get the feel that he's much happier with the personnel that he has this year as opposed to last year. And Garantano, a quarterback, is a guy that's tough. He's got the arm talent. He's smart. And he showed a lot of improvement in the spring. In fact, he was the MVP of the spring game. And last year, his stats weren't bad, 63% 12-3 ratio. And I think he is the true team leader. They're loaded in the backfield, led by Ty Chandler. Uh, they've, you know, when uh, Pruitt took over, he wanted the bigger offensive linemen, bigger tight ends. He's got that now, and defensively, I think he's got his players that are are stepping into it and and should play better. It's a team that went on the road last year and beat Auburn, thirty to twenty four as a large underdog. So it's, they're a very capable team. I have Tennessee a slight favorite in that game, a three point favorite. Not that it matters that much, but it's always fun to talk about. Who are some of your Heisman candidates at this point? Well, you know, once again, going way out on a limb with uh, Tua Tungavailoa and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Probably don't have to say a lot about those guys. Lawrence is my favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, But a couple other names to toss out at you, and maybe maybe a couple of surprises. How about Shea Patterson of Michigan? And he's about 40-1 to coming into the season. But I have high expectations for Michigan. I think that they have the potential to make the playoff this year. And when you look at Shea Patterson, they bring in a new offense coordinator in Josh Gaddis. Gaddis is bringing in the spread. So instead of running a fullback and two tight ends like Michigan's been running, they're going to let Shea Patterson play to his strengths. He's got a dynamic receiving quarter throw to an outstanding offensive line. I think Shea Patterson, especially if Michigan runs the table, will have a mix to enter into that. And then, naturally, you have to go with the transfer quarterback at Oklahoma. They've won the Heisman each of the last two years. And Jalen Hurts is the most accomplished quarterback to step in here. He was 26-2 and as a starter at Alabama. And uh, I think that Lincoln Riley can get the most out of him. He'll be in the mix. And then how about this one? Adrian Martinez of Nebraska. He's the perfect fit for that uh, Nebraska offense under Scott Frost. Frost offenses usually have the quarterback put up some big-time stats, and Martinez, now a true sophomore, had a pretty good year as a true freshman last year, uh, and I have big expectations for Nebraska. In fact, they're my number one most improved team in the country, and I've projected them to win the West. So if those teams do as well as I thought, these players do as well as I think, they'll all be Heisman contenders. Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You already told us Boise State was going to win the Mountain West, in your opinion. Uh, Gary Anderson's second tour at Utah State with non-conference road games at Wake Forest and LSU. 
conference road games at San Diego State and Fresno State. They do get Boise State at home. Will he make it to eight wins? Will they make it to second place behind Boise since you already picked them to win the Mountain West? I think Utah State's biggest uh, foe as far as getting the second place in the Mountain West, and and really they are a contender in the Mountain. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I rate the Boise game uh, a toss-up game, but they do have to play Fresno on the road. They play Air Force on the road this year, San Diego State on the road. Those are three pretty tough road tests. And keep in mind, they only have two returning starters on the offense. Now, it helps that one of them is Jordan Love, the quarterback, because Jordan Love is a dynamic QB that had a 33-6 ratio. But I am a little concerned about the offensive line. Uh, you know, it's something where their offensive coordinator – uh, Sanford said that the size won't be an issue on the offensive line. They just lack experience. They only have one starter back. Defensively, they're going to be good. I mean, they've got one of the better linebacking cores in the country. Uh, secondary might be the biggest concern there where they lose a couple of uh, two or three key starters there. But I think the schedule is my biggest concern when it came to Utah State as well as the inexperience on the offense. And playing San Diego State, Air Force, and Fresno all on the road might not get them into contention for the Mountain. We follow Virginia a little bit because of Bronco Mendenhall. He took a lot of his staff with him from BYU over there. Uh, They've made pretty good improvements since he's been there. What do you forecast them in the coastal of the ACC? You know, they're picking up a lot of votes as the preseason favorite in the Coastal after the way they finished off last year, blowing out uh, South Carolina in the bowl game 28 to nothing. Mendenhall, when I talked to him last year, went over the defense with them. They were young, and yet they still played very well. And this year they've got eight returning starters. So that defense is a top-20 defense, and uh, that Mendenhall's got working for him. And he's got a pretty good quarterback. Bryce Perkins stepped in as a transfer QB last year. Uh, Arizona State transfer, by the way, Uh, 25-9 ratio, and he also ran for 923 yards. Now, they do lose their 1,000-yard running back, but I thought the offense revolved completely around Bryce Perkins last year. He's got three starting offensive linemen back with him. He's got some talent at receiver and at running back. I think Virginia's a contender. Uh, in the Coastal, uh, but uh, I don't know if they're going to get too much. I don't know if they can win the Coastal. I went with Miami uh, to win the Coastal this year. Phil, uh can't let you go without picking that championship game. Uh, is it just Alabama and Clemson? I mean, so, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, not a shocker that that's my pick to get there. And uh, But the good news is, you know, you go back to last year, and uh, Clemson went into the Syracuse or hosted Syracuse as a yep. four-touchdown favorite, and they needed a fourth-down conversion by a, a third-string quarterback late in the game, or they would have lost. And had they lost to Syracuse, Syracuse would have had the same record as them in the division. Syracuse would have been the ACC championship game, and Clemson might have even missed the playoffs. So the beautiful thing about college football is anything can happen on a weekly basis. Uh, but, yeah, I went with Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I'm not a dummy. Okay. <laughs> All right, Phil. Hey, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, good luck with the magazine again this year. Not that you need it, probably, but good luck anyway. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Always enjoy talking football with you guys. A lot of fun this morning.